Save big on your Memorial Day barbecue, all in the Kroger app. Get three-pound rolls of juicy 80% lean ground beef for $3.49 a pound with a digital coupon. Then get select varieties of flavorful Powerade, Body Armor Super Drink, or Arizona Tea for 77 cents each, all with your card. Shop these deals at your local Kroger today. Or tap the screen now to download the Kroger app to save big today. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Prices and product availability subject to change. Restrictions apply. See site for details. You say the game is getting old. Monday morning and your coffee's cold. Life is not what you want it to be. You need an Hello everyone and welcome to A New Direction. My name is Jay Izzo and oh man, do we have a productive show. <laughs> You'll get what I mean here in a little bit. I have with me now friend, formerly guest. Well, she's a guest, but she's really family now. Her name is Debbie Rosemont. She wrote this outstanding, fun, practical, applicable, make you better, make you more profitable, make you just make you more productive. The book Well, I'm just telling you, the book is me. Six word lessons to be more productive. It doesn't get any simpler than that. Literally, these are six word lessons. There's a hundred of them in here, by the way. And they are fabulous. They apply to everyone. I was just talking to her before the show started. I said, you know what? This book is timeless. Uh, It's going to be relevant forever. This book is fantastic. Again, it is six word lessons to be more productive, 100 lessons to increase focus, organization, and productivity at work. Wow, is it great. And you're going to love Debbie Rosemont. She's just unbelievably fabulous. All right, before we do that, though, well, let's do what we do every week, right? We check in with the four areas of your life, right? We're four-part people. We're physical, mental, emotional people. And I check in with you on a scale of one to 10, one being miserable, 10 being outstanding, how your growth is in each of those areas every week. And what do we mean? So when we say growth, we understand that, right, that if, if we're not actively doing something, we never stay the same. So if we're not growing, we're dying. That's just a fact. We can't stay the same, right? And so we want to grow in every area of our life. So what does that mean physically? So when we say, how would you rate yourself with your growth physically? What I'm asking you is, how are you doing with your exercise? How about eating right? How about drinking enough water, getting enough sleep, doing your checkups, doing the things that you're supposed to do? On a scale of one to 10, right? One being, you know, I'm not growing, you know, hardly at all. 10 being I am off the charts, how would you rank your growth on a scale of 10, 5 being average? Okay. All right. So you should have that number, right? That's your first number, your physical number. Second number is your mental number, right? And what we're asking for you there is to, instead of being somebody who just sits and let things come at, come at them, how are you doing actively in terms of, um, you know, being an active participant in your mental growth? Meaning, what I mean by that is like, what are you doing to actively per- participate uh, and growing your knowledge, your understanding, your wisdom, maybe the knowledge of your career or your business, or maybe it's in relationships. But what are you doing? What are you reading? What are you consuming that's actually practical that you're putting action to? Like, right? Like this book here. Uh, oh, yes, it happens to be Debbie Rosemont's book, Six Word Lessons to Be More Productive. There are a hundred practical things that you can do in here that will actually grow you mentally, right? So, what do you. What are you doing? And on a scale of one to 10, how would you say you're doing it? Right? Five being average. All right? So now you got two numbers, physical, mental, right? The third number, right? That's the emotional number, right? What do I mean by growth emotionally? Well, you know, every day we should be in probably some sort of emotional training. We've been uh, through a pandemic, although it feels like we're kind of getting towards the end of it. We're still a lot of emotional stress, 
right? But how well are you able to control your own emotions, right? That's that's part of emotional growth, right? That under stress, chaos, how, how well are you able to control your emotions? And then secondly, how well are you able to really listen to and tune into the emotions of other people and really understand them, right? That, that requires you to really, you know, you know, improve your emotional grammar to really understand it, right? So how would you say, how would you say on a scale of one to 10, you're doing in those two areas emotionally, okay? So that's your third number. And finally, the fourth area, and that's the spiritual area, right? And what do we mean by that? Well, spiritually, what we're talking about here is, you know, we all believe in something, right? We all believe in something that uh, gives us, you know, that we believe gives us a sense of peace or a sense of centeredness or a sense of joy in and amidst circumstances and chaos. For some people, it's God. For some people, it's meditation. For some people, it's nature. Um, there's a variety of things, right? So on a scale of 1 to 10, how would you say you're growing? And is it working? And what might you have to do to change it, right? And, and you know, we talk about often, right, that, you know, when things go bad, you run to something. And whatever that thing is that you run to, that really is your God. That is really what you have faith into, right? And sometimes it's even yourself. Is it working? And on a scale of 1 to 10, how would you say your growth is, right? Now, listen, the point of all this is, right, you got four numbers. The point of all this isn't that, you know, if you're a two, that, that makes you bad. No, it, it, what that means is that's where you're at. And then where can we grow from there? Okay, that's where we're going with that. All right, so uh, we're just trying to get to the next number. All right. And, and, you know, we got to think of it, it's the legs of a chair, right? All four areas, right? And, you know, if we got the chair going up evenly, that makes it better on our posture as a person. And also if the chair's too low, right, those four areas are too low, then what happens, we really can't nourish ourselves the way we need to nourish ourselves. And speaking of someone who is uh, completely nourished and got her chair at the right height, her name is Debbie Rosemont. She is a certified professional organizer <clears throat> and productivity consultant. And she started her own company called Simply Placed um, in 2003. And she helps clients increase their productivity, maximize efficiency, and bring balance and control into their work, homes, and lives. Simply Placed associates work with individuals and businesses to create effective organizational systems, clear cutter, clear clutter. Wow, you can try saying that, clear, clear. Mm -hmm. She clears stuff, and it makes it really nice and easy. Clear clutter. Whew. successfully manage time, focus on priorities, and achieve goals. Debbie teaches individuals and groups productive habits and organized systems that allow them to maximize their time, tasks, and workspace, resulting in improved client service, employee retention, increased revenue. I want you to pay attention to that and reduce stress. And ultimately, achieving a, a level of efficiency that allows them to get not just more, but more of what they want out of business and life. She is a member of the Network uh, for Productivity Excellence, the E-Women Network, Women Business Owners, WBO, uh, the Issaquah, uh, which, by the way, I lived in the state of Washington, Chamber of Commerce and Business Networking International. She is a certified Go System trainer and Freedom Filer consultant, simply placed in Debbie Rosemont and her company service can, and seminars, by the way, she speaks to, is at itssimplyplaced.com. Ladies and gentlemen, welcome to the show, and welcome back, my friend Debbie Rosemont, to A New Direction. Welcome back, Debbie. Thank you so much. I'm so pleased to be a returned guest, friend, family member, whatever yes. you want to call it. Yes. Um, I really enjoyed our conversation that we had earlier this year, and I'm excited to talk again. Yeah, we, you know, we did seven habits um, 
uh, right? Wasn't it seven habits? One habit. No, one, ha- did, one, one, uh, ha- one habit. We did one habit for right. a thriving home office. Yeah, right. my, my other book. Right. Mm-hmm. Yeah, which is your other book. And so this book, uh, Six uh, Word Lessons to yep. um, uh, Be More Productive, um, I found this to be fun. I told you, it's just, I just had a lot of fun reading it, and it was a very quick read, but it was really, everything was applicable and pra- practical. So um, it's nine sections. So what I thought we would do, is we take some pieces from each section as far as we can go today, and um, you know, and and have you give us more insight into some of the things that I thought would be helpful for others. Are you up for that? I'm up for it. Let's go. Okay. So section one: assess your situation, define your goals. I number one: the number one out of this book is is why this book? Why right now? So there's your six words. Did you get that? Why this book? Why right now? That's the six words. And you say, know your why, basically, why you want to increase your organization and productivity and what results do you want? I never thought about when it came to productivity that I probably should know why I want to be more productive. Help help us understand that. Yeah, that's going to be your your why, the reason behind the activity that you want to do or the action you want to take or the change that you're looking to make. The reason why is what's going to be your motivating factor. Um, it's going to be um, what's going to get you going on making time to make this change. It's going to be the thing that's going to keep you going when and if you hit a point of frustration or hmm, I don't know if I really want to do this anymore. You come back to that end result you want and why you're why you're working on that anyway. And um, it just brings you right back and provides that motivation, energy, uh, momentum, if you will. And I think when we don't know why we're doing something, sometimes we can sabotage ourselves right from the beginning. So that's always a first step in the productivity coaching I do with clients, in physical organizing. It's why are you doing this anyway? <laughs> yeah, I, th- I think what we do is we make the assumption that, well, I just need to be more productive. But there there is a motivational piece behind this. That For sure. you, right, that you, we just need to know, and you know, you kind of, yeah. you, you kind of jumped right to number two, a little bit with start with the end in mind. Uh oh, folks, another six words, right? And you said visualize it. Uh, what will we accomplish? How will we spend your extra time? How will you feel? I thought this was interesting because you're taking a mental, emotional, and physical, and even a spiritual approach to dealing with productivity. It, at least that's the way it sounded to me. Yeah, it is. It's, um, you know, thinking about it, you've probably heard this before. If you don't know where you're going, any road will get you there or <laughs> any road will get you nowhere. Right, right, um, right. So, you know, if we just start doing, and this is what some people do, you know, when they talk about, oh, I'm struggling with time management or I'm not getting the results I want. It's in part because they're just doing and they're not necessarily going in the right direction or they're not necessarily spending time on the right things. So starting with the end in mind is important so that you can do the activity of working backwards and figure out, all right, well, if I want to get here, what's the most efficient and effective way that I can do that? So another another important part of the process. Yeah, I thought these first I thought these first four were critical. Um, because number three, I thought was really um, interesting too, because this is where you kind of opened my mind, and I really want you to talk about this. What speci- number three, which is what specific results do you want? And one of the things that you came right out of the blocks with was um, generate additional revenue. And I never connected <coughs> my personal productivity, I guess, with revenue. 
help us understand. But I mean, I, I'm I'm I know that we talked to you know just last week we talked to somebody who does things in um, lean um, management, right? Where mm-hmm. they look at things how how the shop floor is organized and how that can um, make people more efficient, more productive. And I'm guessing right. it's kind of similar, you know, maybe your office or help me understand that a little bit or help. Ah. Me, yeah. Yeah, sure. Um, yes. The way that your office or- is organized, uh, the way that you plan your schedule, that you manage your time, the activity that you focus on all impacts revenue. And actually I should say impacts profit really bottom line is what, what I care about more than top right. line. Uh, you know, we could make a million dollars, but if we spend, you know, $999,000 <laughs> to do that, then we're ending up with a dollar. And is that worth it at the end of the day? Right. So bottom line, how much, how much money are you making? Uh, how much money are you taking home at the end of the day? And when you're disorganized, you're wasting time looking for things you know you have but can't find. The average American worker wastes an hour a day looking for things they know they have but they can't find. So that adds up that six weeks a year of wasted time. So what if instead you were more organized, you found things easily, you had you know things prioritized, you understood what the highest value activities you could do in a day were, and you did those things instead. And instead of wasting six weeks a year, you took that hour a day that would otherwise be wasted and you served a client or you generated new business or you did the things that are going to increase revenue or you found ways to automate and systematize and you reduced expenses. Both of those things lead to more money in our pocket. And I'm not all about money. That's not the only measure right. of success by any means, but it is something to consider. It, it pays to get organized, literally. Yeah. To get organized. Well, yeah. it does. I mean, well, I'm, I'm not either because, I mean, some of the other specific results you, you talked about are, you know, like extra time with your family. Mm-hmm. Um, yep. You know, um, I thought this one was interesting. Improving customer service. You know, mm-hmm. we don't think about, organization of productivity and customer service, but they, they're connected, aren't they? For sure. If, if we aren't organized and if we don't have a good system to track uh, our to-dos or our tasks and follow through or follow up gets dropped, uh, if things slip through the cracks with customer service, that's bad news. If we've promised something to somebody and we don't follow through on that, that's not good customer service, right? right? If we're late on deliverables, if we miss deadlines because we're not organized and we don't have our uh, time managed well, that's not good customer service. So absolutely, when we get good you know, organization and time management systems in place, our customer service can improve. And again, that's just good for business. Yeah, I, I just, I, I, the other thing you talk about is employee retention. I never connected employee retention as a result from productivity. Well, when employees are more organized and they have better control over their time, job satisfaction is higher. So lots of studies have shown that. Um, So when job satisfaction is higher, then they want to keep working, right? When the company is um, structured in an organized way and there's good teamwork and effective communication, meetings are run efficiently and effectively and delegation happens smoothly, that's a company that uh, values its employees and a company for which employees want to stick around at. The other piece there is that when we're organized and productive at work, 
and in life in general, our stress level goes down. So the cost of benefits to a company or having employees out sick or them burning out and leaving because it's just too much, that can be pretty high. So employee retention, lower stress, all that is also good for business. Um, and even if you're a solopreneur, burnout is your enemy. <laughs> you, don't, you know, if you just rely on yourself in business, if you're a one person show, you've got to stay healthy and you want to make sure you have energy and attention and focus and time for those things that are going to matter. You know, I was just thinking uh, as you were talking about employee retention, and I was also thinking about the customer service element, you know, one of the things that we sometimes don't have is a very good follow-up system, mm-hmm. right? To be, you know, to really, you know, I mean, I mean, there's nothing worse than, you know, not calling a potential customer right back or not having yeah. a system to do that. Or, you know, uh, somebody text messages you and it's a potential client and you, you know, what is your system for doing that? And I guess that's all part of what you do, isn't for it? For sure. It is. It is. It, you know, we don't want to be, um, missing out on opportunities or having those things slip through our fingers because we were not organized. It doesn't have to be that way. Right. There are good systems to um, put in place. There's good routines and habits that we can be um, consistent in so that we can get consistent results so that we can, you know, serve the customer and build the business and bring in more business um, because things aren't slipping through the cracks. And, and then this leads us to number four in this section, which I really thought this was really, really good. F- number four, figure out what's holding you back. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Th- that I guess, you know, we kind of think we can walk right into it and just right. do it. Right. But we have, we have enough bad habits that are probably keeping us from doing it. Is that the way I should be reading that? Yeah, yeah. I think it's, you know, considering what's gotten in your way before to your achieving results. Um, you know, I've identified and in the coaching that I do with clients, I've identified some key areas where people do hit barriers or roadblocks uh, or they're wasting time. And so these are some of the areas that we address together. And these are typically the things that have held someone back in the past from doing what they're trying to do when we work together. And the difference maker is that they have a coach that comes alongside with them and helps them remove those barriers so that they can get out of their own way um, and, and move forward. Uh, we're, by the way, we're talking with Debbie Rosemont, uh, six word lessons to be more productive. Um, uh, she's joining us here on a new direction. Um, and we're just getting through the first section of the book. Uh, there's nine sections, um, all six word lessons. Uh, section two, <clears throat> let's just jump right in there. Uh, organize your space, find things fast is the name of that section. And number seven, you have <clears throat> you ask us a question followed by a sentence. Ready to organize? Always sort first. Right. What? <laughs> so we use a process we're physically organizing with people and there's an acronym. um, And the first step of that process is to sort. It's to gather like with like, group what you have so you can see it all. And then you're in a better place to make decisions on your things, to consider how much you have, how much you need, what your space allows for and what your goals are for the space, you need to be able to see it all in one place. So that sorting is the grouping and gathering, getting like with like, so you can visually see what you have. Yeah, I'm not going to tell you that I'm really good at that part of the whole thing. I, I, I feel like I'm ready to organize, but I'm not sometimes a very good sorter. 
I have to be. Well, a lot of people do just jump in. And, you know, a lot of the things that we'll talk about today, I bet, you know, if we continue on, you, you kind of make this connection or this see this pattern yourself. But um, I talk a lot about setting yourself up to be proactive, mm -hmm. not just reactive. Right. Um, we talk about that with time. We talk about that with our staff and even this process. So the sorting and the, you know, visualizing what you have and thinking through your space and that sort of thing. It's about being proactive rather than just diving in and saying, oh, well, this can go and this can go and this can go. Right, right, right. Well, that's, that's part of the process also, but that's then a little bit more reactive without right. considering considering what you have, what your goals are, what you want for that space and, and what you need to do. Okay, let's do the next one. The, and, and it's number eight. It's the next step. Let go of clutter. Oh, yep. Debbie, we got, we put our house on the market. Mm -hmm. Whew, boy, did we collect a lot of stuff. Yeah, yeah. And, and I, we had to make decisions to let go of stuff. Yeah, there's a, I, I like to say a, a physics of stuff and that, you know, things will come into our life with no effort on our part. Kids bring things home from school. We do shop and buy, we get gifts, uh, you know, email comes in our inbox every day, mail to our mailbox. So stuff comes into our life very easily, but unfortunately the opposite is not true. Mm -hmm. So things will not go out of our life without some effort on our part. And regularly clearing clutter or what happens a lot of times is at a time of transition, just like you're in, you're about to put your house on the market. So right. you look at your things and your space with a new lens, with this transition in mind. And yes, we accumulate very easily. It's the letting things go that we need to work on. So I, I like to get people to think about what you have and of that, what's adding value to your work or your life? And if it's not adding value, it's probably detracting. It's probably keeping you from being able to appreciate the things that you do have that have the you know best value to you. And I'm not talking just monetary value. Um, so we want to let go of things that are excess, that aren't adding value to our life, that we could easily do without that we could easily replace on the occasion that we need it by borrowing from somebody. So this is part of how we can make those decisions about what is clutter and, and letting go, but it feels pretty good. <laughs> it does feel pretty good. It feels amazing. Um, yeah. By the way, she just did number 10, ask, does it add value? Which she just did all at the same time. We're with Debbie Rosemont. It's six, it's six word lessons to be more productive. And you're listening to her here on A New Direction. Hey, folks, listen, you know what? My two sponsors, Epic Physical Therapy, uh, is the first one we're going to talk about. You know what? They are awesome. I love them. They are my therapist. They've also given me great recommendations for, you know, going to see specialists and doctors. Um, they're absolutely amazing. They have an elite team and they work with everybody from, you know, if you've had surgery, if you've got aches and pains, if you're a professional athlete, they will provide you with a customized treatment plan that is tailored to your individual needs. It's because they understand the need to treat the entire body as a functional whole, not just your symptoms or your injury. So when you're ready for epic relief, epic recovery, and epic results, don't look any further. Just go to Epic Physical Therapy. That's epicpt.com. That's E-P-I-C-P-T.com. And Linda Craft and Team Realtors. You know what? Uh, guess who we're selling our house with? Yeah, <laughs> Linda Craft and Team Realtors. You know what? She's been doing this for over 35 years and been at the top of her game because she understands the power of relationships. She understands 
that the relationship is the most important part of anything that she does in her business. And yes, she is an absolute professional. You don't stay in this business for 35 years if you don't know your business inside and out. But it's that other relationship aspect that has made her to where she is today and has made her team as successful as they are. So when, regardless of where you're at in the world, by the way, she can help you. So you know what, whether you're selling, whether you're buying, start with Linda Craft and Team Realtors. You can learn more by going to lindacraft.com. That's L-I-N-D-A. C-R-A-F-T dot com. And we're back here on A New Direction with Debbie Rosemont and Six Word Lessons to be more productive. Available Amazon bookstores near you. You can find it, order it, get it, grab it, read it. It's a very quick read. Um, I am ashamed to tell you this, but I have dog-eared your book so bad. Um, it's got some, that's not something to be ashamed okay, of. Well, that's something to be proud of, Jay. I, have, I not only dog-eared the top, I dog-eared the bottom. Right. <laughs> because I, had... I, you know what? I wrote that book so that it would get used. Um, I wanted it to be practical. And, you know, there are a hundred, hundred ideas in there, a hundred strategies. Right. And my thought wasn't that somebody would read it from cover to cover and suddenly make this, you know, grand multifaceted change. It was really that, you know, the idea you could, you could open it up to any one of the hundred and just focus right. on that for the day. Um, you'd have a hundred days worth of inspiration to be more organized and productive and focused. So that I'm glad to, I'm glad you're dog earing it. I, I did. And, and, you know, it was, it's so funny because, um, my wife will tell, uh, people regularly that I sometimes have a problem with organization in certain aspects of my life. We'll not say which areas of my life, uh, but there are several probably out there. And, uh, and I have to tell you, I found this book to be kind of, eye, well, it was, it was really eye-opening. I'm not going to say kind of, it was really eye-opening. Um, and, and we're going to move into section three here, uh, use systems to keep it up. And uh, number 25 just jumped out at me, and it was establish habits to help stay organized. And you said, if you don't change the behavior that caused the disorganization in the first place, then your space will end up just as it was before in no time at all. True help, story. <laughs> help me, Deborah. Help me, help me. Well, I'd be happy to help you, and we can talk about that later. Uh, but it's true. I think if you're going to um, invest time, energy, potentially money, if you're going to hire someone to help you to get organized, then we ought to also look at how are you going to stay organized because you're going to make changes in your physical environment. You're going to clear clutter. However, the state of how things were when you started that organizing process probably didn't happen overnight. Right. So neither will, you know, getting and staying organized. You want to think about what were the habits that caused disorder or disorganization. Right. Some of those things for a lot of people are we're just running fast and furious these days. You know, we're, we're right. leaving things here for now because it takes time to put them in their proper place. Or we can't find something, so we go buy another and then we end up with extra and, and too much. Um, I mean, there's, there's many habits that could end up, you know, causing disorganization. The important thing and part of the last piece of our physical organizing process is helping clients establish habits that will help them stay organized. Do you want a couple examples? Yes, please. I'm, I'm, okay. I'm, we, we are all ears, all of us. All right, of us are okay. all ears. <laughs> so, you know, something as simple as new one in old two hours mm. or three. Mm. Um, so you buy something, right. shop with intention. That's also a habit. You don't want to just, you know, 
willy-nilly bring things into your life, you want to be thoughtful around that. But if you're shopping with intention and already using that habit, then when something new comes into your office or your, your home or your life, you can be considering, well, what is this replacing? What should go? And we right. talked about how accumulation happens so easily and that the opposite of letting things go doesn't happen without our effort. This is a time to say, all right, I'm bringing this new you know, fill in the blank in. So therefore I'm ready to let go of an old one. That's an example of a habit. Mm -hmm. um, another is, you know, taking 10 minutes at the end of the day. When my kids were little, they're, they're grown and out of the house now, but when they were little, we would do a 10 minute tidy, 10 minutes. That's all it took to pick up and get get order kind of reestablished if you do it regularly. Right. So putting on some music, doing some cleanup, um, 10 minutes a day, that's a habit, right? So it's all these little things that can help maintain the organization long-term. So my wife would say to you that I have flat surface habit. Mm-hmm. If if it's a flat surface, I have this evidently this compulsion or this need to put something on it. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> and she yeah. is anti-flat surface. She she will say to me regularly, you know, flat surfaces don't have to have things on it. Mm-hmm. <laughs> I think and I think it's a I think it's a habit. I think it's I yeah. think it's a habit that I have of, you know, rather than putting it in a drawer or rather than putting it in, you know, my bag or whatever it is, I just put it on the surface, flat surface. Right. And then the next thing I know I'm accumulating things on the flat surface. Yeah. Right. So, yeah. Yeah. No. Um, so part of that is, and we're talking about the section on systems. Um, part of that is, and the reason people will put things out in front of them or on a flat surface is either they don't know where it belongs, don't have time to put it away so they're not leaving transition time in between things or they're afraid of out of uh, sight out of mind. So they'll leave something out to remind them to follow up right. on something or to right. do something with it. So systems can help with all of that. Um, you know, systems for where things go and everything having a home, the system of leaving transition time in between appointments and meetings and commitments, right. um, a system so that you can put something away and be triggered to follow up on that on the right time, that a task management system. Right. So that might be something to consider. Um, and then also, you know, in a, in a marriage, just like any relationship, you certainly want a kind of a, a meeting of the minds or a compromise if two people are different. And we see this often, coworkers, partners, whatever it might be. Everyone has a different level of tolerance for stuff around them. Right. Some people really like clear surfaces and in that they're able to focus and concentrate. Others like to have more stuff out and there's some right. comfort in things around them. So if you're different in that regard, compromise is going to be your friend. Yeah. You know, that's actually a great point because we do, we have this compromise. I have my room, uh, which mm-hmm. is um, my room. Right. And, yeah. uh, she puts police tape around it so nobody can enter it. Um, <laughs> so I'm kidding. I'm kidding. I'm, I'm kidding. That's not true. Uh, and then I, I have my section of the garage that I've got my workout stuff and things that I do there. So, um, those kind of my, my sections and then everything else, you know, everything has a place. And I try to be really respectful of that because I know it's really important to her that when she comes home, like, you know, she doesn't want to see dishes in the sink. She doesn't want stuff all over the counters and, so I try to be really respectful and I think that's really important, right? You know, when you respect each other, you know, I have sure. my spaces and she's got, she's got her space and I think it's important that we just respect each other. It just makes your relationship so much easier. Sure it does. And, and, you know, actually she's been really good about helping me, um, you know, create better habits mm-hmm. because when um, I walked, when I walked into this marriage, you know, decades ago, 
um, you know, a couple decades ago, I, I, she had a lot of work to do with me. So (laughs) she, you know, we had to, we had to create, you know, she had to really, you know, you know, establish some things with me to help me become better. And she's done a really great job. And by the way, she did it in a way that wasn't offensive. If that makes well, any my, sense. Yeah. My, my guess is that you probably balance each other out yes. um, in the way you're describing that you're different. Um, yeah. And my, my husband and I are the same in that, you know, when, when we met, I'm, I'm a planner. I wore a watch every day. I do things right. by a schedule, you know, abide by a calendar and um, he is more spontaneous. And that is great because I could have used a little more spontaneity in my life and he probably could have used a little more structure in his. So Absolutely. in that way, we balance each other out and it works. Yeah. And it does. We, we are exactly the same. We have the same marriages, by the way. Uh, <laughs> she's, she's like you. I'm like your husband, uh, vice versa. Uh, yeah, but it does. And I think that's something too, that, you know, you know, even though we're, you know, you don't directly address this in the book, I think it's really important that, you know, you kind of have to establish your own systems and routines in your relationships, you know, because, you know, you're, you know, I have, I do need my space because I do like to be surrounded by the things that I love or, you know, the things that, you know, I'm surrounded by pictures and sports memorabilia and, and things like that. And I just, and I find comfort in that, like you said. And, you know, she likes her things really neat and tidy and she finds comfort in that. And I think, I think that's what's the pieces that you have to understand. Yeah. I, I love that you use the word respect, respecting each other's differences. Yeah. I mean, I think this is a key in, um, in the way that the world would ideally work is, you know, we would <laughs> have respect and consideration and kindness. And if we lead from those places, we're, we're going to be in an okay place. So number 30. Purge what you don't need regularly, and you say, yep. decide that a couple times a year you will go through the organizational process, organization process again and yeah. again. Yeah. And again. Yeah. Purge. It's true. It's not, it's not a one-time event. Um, right. Our life changes. Our needs change. The things that add value do at one time and don't later on or another time. So we need to do this regularly. And if we do, it's not such a big deal. Um, I I have a private membership group and um, I run an annual, um, we just finished it. It's called the May Minimalism uh, Challenge. And we clear clutter the month of May, giving one thing away on May 1st, two things on the second, three things on the third, et cetera. Uh. Um, And so by the end of the month, cumulative, you've gotten rid of more than 400 50 items from your space and I have some members that have been loyal members and are doing this or just did this for the fourth year in a row and amazingly they didn't have any trouble letting things go so you can continue to do this once a year twice a year once a month I mean whatever works for you but when you do you kind of go through this whole process you assess where you are think about what your goals are and why you're doing it. And then you go through this process and, and you organize, you clear clutter based on where you are now and where you're going in the near term. You know, I think when, as we were throwing, you know, you know, we were, you talk about, I don't know if I've actually wrote this one down, but we were talking about what we keep, what we throw away and what we're going to donate. I think you have something to that effect in the book too, actually. It was one of them. And, you know, it was, I was amazed as we were going through the attic, um, which mm-hmm. by the way is, is a disaster for everybody because it just accumulates stuff and going through my file cabinets, right? How many things I was holding on to that had no purpose. 
uh, whatsoever. There was no, there was no reason for me to be holding on to them. Mm-hmm. And I was, and I was just, I, and we were just holding on to the stuff, right? I mean, I had, I had, we haven't had a dog in years and we were holding on to stuff, dog stuff, mm-hmm. you know, that we just, mm-hmm. that we needed to, you know, give away to, you know, a, you know, a dog shelter, you sure. know? And so, because <clears throat> there were, there were things that could be used, you know? And so it was just, I, I just found that really interesting that, you know, God, we need to do this purging thing. When you, when I read it, I was like, yeah, we probably need to do this a couple more times a year. We shouldn't just be thinking about this, you know, when we sell a home, we need to right. be doing this a couple times a year just to and, make and, sure. Yeah. And depending on when you do it, again, you look at it through a different lens. Um, right. we, we just uh, cleared clutter in our garage. And of course, we've done this before. We've done it pretty regularly. And for whatever reason, this was the year we decided, you know what, we're really not going to use that camping equipment that we've kept for so long. Right. But it's been so long since we've camped in that way. And our kids, they're not going to want this antiquated <laughs> equipment anyway. Right. So we decided to donate it and gave it to a local call first to make sure they wanted it, but a local tent city. And the recipients were so appreciative and we felt so good to know, well, this isn't now just taking up room in our garage. It was clutter to us, but how very, very valuable it was to somebody who doesn't have a roof over their head. Right. Tremendous, right? Tremendous. So, yeah, I, yeah, I just, I just purge regularly. Um, mm-hmm. section four, yeah. uh, use your time wisely, maximize productivity. I love this one and I'm going to have you expand. I, we're, I'm going to have you expand on this if you don't mind. Um, because I think it's really important that people get this one down. It's number 35 saying yes also means saying no. And I want you to just really, because I think, I don't think we really understand what we mean by that. Yeah. So this is a personal lesson learned. Um, I am a people pleaser. I love to say yes. And I needed to um, kind of take my own advice and go through a time period where I said yes more slowly or sometimes said no when that was the right answer because when we do say yes to something, we are saying no to something else. We only have a finite amount of time. So all of us have the same 24 hours in the day, I think it's 168 hours in a week, and we can't generate more time. Uh, we can think about how we use it. So if we have 24 hours in a day and we say yes to something that's going to take two hours in that day, that's two hours that we're not doing something else. So for example, you know, if, if your boss comes to you and says, hey, I've got a new project, can you finish this by tomorrow? When you say yes to that new thing, you're saying no to something else that you potentially had already committed to or that was already on your plate. Or you're saying no to getting home to dinner on time with your family. So it's a trade-off and we need to consider is yes the, the best answer, um, and, and I like a, a conditional yes. It's my yes and technique. So if we can find a way to say, yes, I can help you with that. And I could start it next week. Would that work for you? Mm. Um, so this conditional yes, rather than a knee jerk. Yes. This is where I thought that we needed a script, you know, that you got to have a script in your mind beforehand when mm-hmm. you, before you, before you make this yes or no decision. Because 
I, I think there's got to be because and you, you just gave us kind of a partial script, right? So um, because I, I, I think that the problem is it's so easy to say yes. Mm-hmm. Right. Because we yeah. don't want we don't want to hurt anybody's feelings. We don't let anybody yeah. down. We want to right. volunteer for that next thing. We want to coach the next basketball, you know, for the kids yeah. or the baseball team. We got to have a script <laughs> right. that, that, that we can, that we can say, man, I, I you know what, I'm going to, can, can you give me an extra time? Can you, you know, I would yes. love to do this. Can you, yes. do I have to make that decision now? Right. Because I think there's got to be something, right. Am, am I on the right track yeah. here? You're totally on the right track, and, and we need to break the habit of saying yes without it being a thoughtful yes. And, and so in doing that, I just say, you know, I, I so appreciate that offer, or this sounds like a neat opportunity. Um, you know, let, give, give me the day to consider it, and then I'll get back to you. I want to make sure if I say yes, that I could do it justice, or I want to make sure that this is the right fit, or, you know, whatever. Um, but yes, buy some time. Um, And and that's where, again, the yes and yes, I'd love to consider, you know, doing that. And I'll give you an answer by tomorrow. Would that work for you? Yeah. I, uh, you know, I, I, you and I come from an old school of let your yes be yes and your no be no, you know, I mean, that's, and, and yet we, we, I, I know that for me, it's a weakness to just want to just jump into everything. And I really need to think through that. You do. I, I heard once that, um, no is a decision. Yes is a responsibility. Mm. Okay, that's good. And uh, and that's the sh- no. That's not the show <laughs> because, <laughs> because you, we could end it right there on that. That's beautiful. Uh, that's fantastic. Uh, let's do one more. Number thirty nine. Um, know what time you focus best. Yeah. And you talk about knowing when your peak. Um, mm-hmm. will, will help you plan most of the challenging work for that time, understanding your bodies. And we're talking about circadian rhythms here. And so um, help us understand this here because I never thought about it again when it came to productivity. Yeah. So, um, you know, people have, they do have a, a peak period of energy in the day and then we want to, you know, certainly do what we can to take care of ourselves. You alluded to that and those kind of four pillars of um uh, checking in at the beginning, physical, mental, emotional, spiritual, I think I got all four. Yep. Um, you know, all of those things help us um, to maximize our energy when we're being um, taking care of ourselves in those areas. And then we can look at how to leverage energy throughout the day and to leverage energy when your energy is at its best. So some people are early birds. They, um, you know, like to grab the day and just kind of hit it hard in the morning. And that's when they're at their most creative, innovative, strategic, bright and early. And so for them, doing the hardest work first or the highest value tasks first is going to work well. They want to leverage the time. If they fill their mornings with email and meetings and all of that and don't get to those things that are the needle movers for them, they're not going to get the same results. Other people, they need a little time to rev up their engines in the morning. And for them, maybe lower priority, kind of lower uh, thought-provoking work is a better way to start their day. And then kind of mid-morning or midday, when those folks hit their peak, they can do those activities that need that strategic thinking, the critical uh, analysis, that sort of thing. And then others are night owls. So thinking about, you know, when you are at your best, when you make your best decisions when you feel your sharpest, when you feel your most alive, 
that's going to be the time that you want to do your highest priority work and not not allow interruption or other things to get in the way. Um, I, I recently taught a training um, workshop where, as a result, one of the leaders of this company decided that they were going to have meeting-free mornings. Um, so they had been in the habit of, you know, having mornings. Uh, meetings in the morning and by the afternoon they were tired dragging not making their best decisions they flipped that so they could still participate in the meeting and collaborate and and you know be a, a productive participant but the open mornings to really get that high priority work done was super valuable time and so they were able to realize that and make that switch to good result i love that yeah businesses did you listen are you are you listening out there you don't have to have morning meetings. You may be better served having an afternoon one. Her name is Debbie Rosemont. The book is Six Word Lessons to Be More Productive. You are listening to her here on A New Direction. Hey, folks, Epic Physical Therapy. Talk about them often. Love them because they're my physical therapist. Look, they're, they have multiple facilities, but they offer the most advanced, top-of-the-line equipment, the anti-G, anti-alter-G, anti-gravity treadmills, the, the Normatec compression sleeves, the Game Ready, which I talk about ad nauseum about how the pressure and the cold and uh, just takes the swelling out. Look, they are trained and certified in the most comprehensive cutting-edge treatments available, including blood flow restriction therapy, uh, dry needling, cupping, just to name a few. And so, look, when you're ready for your epic relief, your epic recovery, your epic results, just go to Epic Physical Therapy. That's epicpt.com. That's E-P-I-C-P-T.com. And Linda Craft and Team Realtors, for more than 35 years, they have successfully been selling uh, and helping people with the sale of their home and buying homes. Uh, and they've been helping people all over the world. And how they do that? Well, Linda's independently owned and operated. She does not belong to a national brand, so she has made relationships with the absolute best professionals everywhere in the world. That she's called relationships, and that's what she has done and continues to do, and that's what her team continues to do as a legacy is that they understand that the relationship is the ultimately the most important part of any uh, transaction, but specifically the real estate transaction. Yes, they know their business. Yes, they are competent. Yes, they are professionals, but they also are relational. And so when you're looking for uh, the, the relational real estate professional, look no further than Linda Craft and Team Realtors. That's lindacraft.com, L-I-N-D-A-C-R-A-F-T.com. And we're back with six word lessons to be more productive and the author of that book, Debbie Rosemont here joining us on A New Direction. And um, we're having some fun. Are you having some fun? I'm having a great time. <laughs> I, I'm enjoying this. It's kind of cool because, you know, I read this and then I'm like going, you know what? Then she's giving me these additional insights and I'm like going, yeah, this is pretty good. I like this. All right, let's <laughs> jump to section. I'm liking this. It's really good. Section That's five, because I'm, you know, it's making me go, oh, you got some work to do. Section five, um, habits affect productivity, good or bad. That's the name of the section. Um, this one caught my eye and I went, what? Number 42, utilize a not to-do list. <laughs> what? <laughs> Make a list of things you'd like to stop doing? What? Well, walk me through that one. Sure. 
So we spoke earlier about things that get in people's way or um, the maybe reactive things that people might do that keep them from being proactive. So these are things that it might be helpful for someone to have on a stop doing list. Um, so habits are things that we do without thinking about them. And again, they can be good or bad. So usually with habits, there's a trigger, there's the behavior, and then there's reward. So when we have a habit that we'd like to change, we have to consider what's triggering it, what's the reward, how, how can we thoughtfully make that change? And so a stop doing list could just be a visual reminder to stop multitasking, mm. to stop uh, leaving out of your email inbox, uh, to stop wasting time by uh, you know scrolling social media when it's actually your peak productivity time and you you know will be better served by doing a, a high priority task so thinking about what is it that has gotten in your way in the past what are the habits that you know are reactionary or that are taking your time and that are not serving you well anymore and put those things on a stop doing list um, your stop doing list also could be things that others could do for you so maybe it's that they still need to be done but you're not the right person to do them and these are things that you could automate or delegate or eliminate um, so that's what a stop doing list is. Love, i love that I just, I never had, never thought about stop doing a list. Mm -hmm. Love mm -hmm. that. That's really genius. Let's move to section six. It's called plan yeah. your work, work your plan. Mm -hmm. Now I am a big goal person. Um, I, mm -hmm. I teach goals uh, since I was in grad school. You know, I would, oh, I, matter of fact, there was a section I studied on that. But you have, write down your goals, review regularly. We know the power of writing down goals, right? Yeah. But I think the piece that, I found so refreshing from you in this one was that review your goals regularly because we may need to make an adjustment. Yeah, um, and or to remind ourselves. Um, so I use an example, um, a 90-day focus sheet. It's a common tool that coaches use. You may use one with your clients as well, but it's you know setting a goal for a quarter or a couple goals for the quarter. And that's all well and good to, to write those things down. It's a great positive step, especially when you get really specific and time sensitive and all the things we know good goals to be. But what about reviewing that sheet or those goals once a week when you do your weekly planning and mm -hmm. making sure that you see on your week ahead time blocks or activity that's going to get you closer to achieving those goals. So that's what I mean by reviewing it regularly. If we just write a goal, if it's an annual, by the end of the year, I want to do this, then we put it on a shelf or maybe we even post it in front of us, but then we don't actually look at it to remind ourselves what right. that goal is and to ask, how am I doing on that so far? Do I see activity related to that goal in this next week or month? So reviewing it regularly can keep it top of mind. And yes, we kind of make adjustments if we need to as, as things uh, change during the course of the time period we're dealing with. Yeah, we make a huge mistake. I see this regularly in businesses as you do. I know you do. But we make a huge mistake. We have people set these goals at, you know, before the beginning of the year. Mm -hmm. And then they never really look at them till the end of the year. Right. And so then what we're doing is then we, we're mad as the owner, founder, or, you know, the manager, whoever. We're upset with our people because they didn't follow their goals. Well, we really should be more of a thermostat 
right. you know, where we're checking in regularly to make sure, you know, where we're at with those goals. Because, I mean, I have asked, I have asked sometimes clients to go, what were your, where are you at with your goals this year? I don't know. I haven't looked at them. Mm-hmm. Right. And, and, and that's not on them because that should be part of the system, I believe in the business, right? I mean, I think that could make your people more productive. I think that's actually a really critical element if you want your people to be more productive is to be regular, be more um, regular in terms of checking those goals. I agree. And I, I think no no employer or manager should be surprised by lack of progress right. or, uh, you know, performance. And no employee should be surprised when it's in time for an annual performance review or, you know, measuring against the objectives that that they have. There should be updates along the way. There should be communication. There there should be an exchange of, um, you know, information and, and a check-in on yeah. those things along the way. Totally, totally agreement here. Uh, number 54, and I love Pareto's principle, so you know I had to go dig into it. Apply the 80-20 rule at work, right? The Pareto's principle stating that we get 80% of our results from 20% of our efforts. So how do how does this work in terms of productivity? Yeah. So first of all, it's, it's knowing what your 20% is. What are those high value activities that when you do them, you get your results. Um, and then also identifying well, what's the other 80% that's taking your time, right? What's getting in your way. Um, and then it's it just, just what we talked about thinking about when are you at your best during the day? It's time blocking. It's protecting and honoring the time that you set forth to do the 20%. Um, the more time that we can spend on those things, the better our results, right? Right. It's also considering on the other 80% back to that stop doing list or keeping a time log so you can just raise your awareness on where is your time going. But of those things that are not the 20% but still need to get done, how can we learn to do them faster? How could we delegate them? How could we, you know, figure out a different solution so that those aren't taking up the majority of our time? Love it. Let's move to section seven. Uh, because everybody's chomping at the bit for this. Manage email or it will manage you is the name of this section. Number 64, um, you you, you reference a book by Julia Morgenstern uh, entitled Never Check Email in the Morning. Your title is Do One Big Thing Before Email. Yeah. What a lot of people do is they open up their computer, they start their work day, or sometimes it's even just on their phone. These days people are working so so mobily and uh, so... uh, easily on any device, but regardless, they're starting their day with email and then they look up and it's five o'clock, it's the end of the day. And all they've done all day is react to what's in their email inbox and kind of live there. And they look at their to-do list and they got nothing else done, right? So that's a reactive way to work. If we want to make sure that we're proactive and getting things done that aren't we've identified as priorities, as needle movers, then if we can do one of those things, and ideally it's something you've identified as the highest priority for the day before getting lost in email, we're going to be, you know, 10 steps ahead of any day that we don't do that. So that's the idea that, you know, I teach my clients uh, a process by which they're, you know, processing email, um, not checking it. So they're making a decision on their email. They're getting email that needs to be um, acted on in a, a task management system. So they could come in process the email that came in overnight quickly, not getting lost in it, not actually doing that work, just making a decision on it, do their highest task. And then when they're done with that, they could go back and they could process email that came in while they were doing that task, 
get to the next highest priority task, and that's a workflow for the day. High priority task, fine, go get get caught up on email, process email that came in, because we don't want to ignore it. Right. Um, and I think there's a difference between being responsive, which we do want to do, and being reactive. Mm. Yeah, I yeah, I think email, email is such a time hole uh, for people. Uh, it just, you know, I, I just, I see it all the time, CEOs. I mean, it's just one email after another and everything seems to be urgent yeah. and it's just, whoa, I, I, I don't have, I don't have the answers, honestly, mm-hmm. but, um, you clearly had, you know, things like clear your inbox daily or weekly, turn off the visual on notifiers, use your rules. I mean, you just had so many great tips here. Um, I'm gonna, but I'm gonna move past email because uh, section eight is we've got to stop meeting like this, which mm-hmm. I just found terribly funny. Um, <laughs> uh, but it was also great. And one of the things that I, you know, you seventy eight says ask, do we need to meet? But one of the things that I found really um, important is that you say here was number eighty one, ask participants, and that's the participants in a meeting, to do their homework. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Come prepared um, when we need to meet. And, and meetings can be effective. Um, when we bring people together, whether that's virtually or in person, it is usually to collaborate, to provide updates, to make decisions. So there's a few things that are important. Um, and one of them is having people come prepared. Right. We want to make sure that the time spent together, I mean, it, it comes at a high salary cost. If uh, if you're an employer and you're paying people to meet, you have to take, you know, a, a half hour meeting, 10 people in there, that's 10 times, you know, the half hour of, uh, of their salary for that meeting. So at that cost, you want to make sure that there's a good outcome and you have a better likelihood of a good outcome if people come prepared. So you don't want to necessarily take time in a meeting to be reading through documents for the first time or you know having people show up that don't know what's on the agenda and haven't brought updates that um, they need to be prepared to share so yes asking people to do their homework meaning you know be prepared for the meeting um, can be a a great strategy well we're not going to get into section nine because you and i have been together for an hour and (laughs) it's gone really fast by the way, section nine for everybody who's listening uh, is uh, the paperless society that never was. Mm-hmm. And she's already actually alluded to number 90. Um, that's the research on the Wall Street Journal that, um, you know, takes an hour on the average for people to look for the paper. You talked about the very early in the show and that it equates mm-hmm. six weeks a year we waste um, yep. looking for paper that we couldn't find. So. Uh, Debbie, you've been on the show. You've been a great guest as always. Um, you know, the show we call is a new direction. Um, we try to help people find a new direction. You've done that, uh, over and over in this book, six word lessons to be more productive. But if you could leave the folks who are listening with a new direction based on this book and, and, and productivity, what would that be? I think it's, I'm going to go back to one of the very first things we talked about, and that's knowing your why. Um, if you think that you need to make a change, if you think you want to be more organized and productive, understand why, because that's what's going to keep you going. And usually when we ask, well, why do you want to do that? Um, there's an exercise that you've probably heard of that's t- uh, called peeling away the onion. Mm-hmm. you got to ask several times. So if it's well, why, well, because I, I want to, you know, uh, have more time. 
well, why do you want to have more time? Well, I want to have more time so that I can, you know, spend more time with my family. Well, why do you want to do that? You, you ultimately get down to this core value answer that if you can post that, right. if you can keep that in mind as you're moving forward, all decisions, all change becomes easier. So know your why, know why you want to make a change. And then of course you've got some strategies to follow with that why in mind that could really make a difference. Her name's Debbie Rosemont, and the book is entitled Six Word Lessons to Be More Productive. She was great. I told you, right? Uh, <laughs> it's simplyplaced.com is her website. Check it out. I will have a write-up that you'll be able to find her uh, as a, associated with this um, show and the post. Folks, you know what? You are in control of your attitude and your effort at all times, regardless of your circumstances. So take control of it right? You can, you can be positive. It doesn't matter what's going around you. You can give more effort. You always have more left than tank. That's going to inspire others. I promise it will. I'm going to be back next week with another great guest, another great book. It's going to be another great show. And as I say to you every week, and you know what that is, right? Shalom. on your Memorial Day barbecue, all in the Kroger app. Get three-pound rolls of juicy 80% lean ground beef for $3.49 a pound with a digital coupon. Then get select varieties of flavorful Powerade, Body Armor Super Drink, or Arizona tea for 77 cents each, all with your card. Shop these deals at your local Kroger today, or tap the screen now to download the Kroger app to save big today. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Prices and product availability subject to change. Restrictions apply. See site for details.